This is a difficult time. Uh, according to the latest count, 1.4 lakh people have been infected uh, by the COVID-19 virus. Uh, 5,000 people have uh, already lost their lives and the number could grow. Over 100 people have been infected in India. Again, uh, most people are expecting that number to grow. What should our response be as Christians? How do we respond to a situation like this? And, and the obvious, uh, obvious answers that come immediately to mind are pray. Uh, not just pray, but do everything that is in our capacity and beyond our capacity even to, to help. We must do all of these. But in doing all of these, we must not forget to lament. We must not forget to express our grief and our anguish to God. I, I feel like I'm almost introducing a new word today, lament. It's a very biblical word. It's a very biblical idea. The word lament means a passionate or unrestrained expression of grief or sorrow. All of us feel sadness. And I would imagine that even this week, every one of you, every one of us would have experienced at least one moment of sadness. While we understand sadness, we may not fully understand lament. And so even during this COVID-19 crisis globally, we are all experiencing grief. We are all experiencing sadness. But, but are we kind of channelizing them, channelizing those emotions into lament? You see, merely feeling grief and anguish is not yet lamenting. Uh, merely verbally or in other ways, expressing our grief and sorrow and anguish, even that uh, is not fully lamenting. When we express verbally or otherwise our grief and anguish to God, when our grief and anguish, when the expression of our grief and anguish is directed to God, that is what we mean by biblical lamentation. I want to preach from the book of Lamentations today. It's from the Old Testament. It is one of the saddest books in the Bible. It is five chapters of mourning and sadness and lament. Each, each chapter, the book of Lamentations, is a standalone poem of lament. Each of these five poems, though, are kind of interconnected. The first two chapters have 22 verses each. The third chapter has 66 verses, and then the fourth and the fifth chapter have 22 verses each. The Hebrew alphabet has 22 letters. So in each of these chapters, the first verse begins with the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. The second verse begins with the second letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and so on and so forth. Uh, this happens once each in the first two chapters. In, chap in chapter three, which is 66 verses, this plays three times over. And then chapter four and chapter five are, are similar. So these five chapters are extremely well-crafted poems of sadness and lament. You see, in the Old Testament, for God's people, lamentations, lamentation is not thoughtless wailing. It is well-crafted wailing. 
God's people in the Old Testament gave thought to their sadness and grief. They gave thought to their lament. God's people understood the importance of lament. Lament is so important that God chose to, to, to devote an entire book in the Bible to lamentation. And that's the book we're going to be looking at this morning. Some of us, uh, we, we tend to prefer a, a triumphalistic version of our faith. God will defeat this virus. Uh, God will have the uh, ultimate victory. When we pray in Jesus by, to Jesus by faith, we will be healed. I, absolutely, yes, I believe in all of that. I absolutely believe that God is sovereign. And we must all believe that God is sovereign over all the things that have ever happened in human history that is happening now and that will ever happen uh, in human history. Absolutely, yes, the Lord Christ Jesus is Lord above all. But when we consider this reality, we must also not only believe that God will bring healing, but in believing that, we must also grieve and lament the present suffering. Our faith must be real. Our faith cannot be in ignorance or uh, uh, overlooking or, or uh, pretending that the pain and the suffering and the sickness in this world is, is real. We must not pretend otherwise. Our faith must be cognizant of the fact that we do live in a broken world. The brokenness around us is real. We must see that, acknowledge it, face it. And we must see our faith in Christ Jesus, the hope we have in Christ Jesus, both at the same time. We don't talk about grieving. We don't talk about lamenting too much. But it is an important uh, expression of our faith. The passage I've picked for this morning is, is a sad and gloomy passage because we are living in a sad and gloomy time. And I want to use this passage to, to help us all lament in a godly way. I want us to, I want to help us respond to the situation in a godly way. Uh, I'm going to read a, a passage. I'm going to read, we're going to be looking at the entire chapter three of the book of Lamentations in the Old Testament, but I'm going to read a small passage and, and the verse is going to come up for us uh, on, on screen as I read that out. I'm reading from Lamentations chapter three, verses one to 15. I am the man who has seen affliction by the rod of the Lord's wrath. He, that is God, has driven me away and made me walk in darkness rather than light. Indeed, God has turned his hand against me again and again all day long. God has made my skin and my flesh grow old and has broken my bones. God has besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and hardship. He has made me dwell in darkness like those long dead. He has walled me in so I cannot escape. He has weighed me down with chains. Even when I call out or cry for help, God shuts out my prayer. He has barred my way with blocks of stone. He has made my paths crooked like a bear lying in wait, like a lion in hiding. He dragged me from the path and mangled me and left me without help. He drew his bow and made me the target of his arrows. He pierced my heart with arrows from his quiver. 
I became the laughing stock of all my people. They mock me in song all day long. He has filled me with bitter herbs and given me gall to drink. This is God's word. Jeremiah is most likely the author of this book of Lamentations. We, are not, we cannot say this with absolute certainty, but very likely he is the author. And so these are perhaps his words. And so we must read this book and we must read this passage uh, in three ways. We must read it as the words of Jeremiah or whoever the original author was. We must read it as our words, our lament in the current situation. And we must read it as the lament of Christ. So there are three ways we're going to look at. Three things you're going to draw from this passage this morning. The lament of Jeremiah, our lament, and the lament of Christ. The lament of Jeremiah, our lament, and the lament of Christ. Let's start with the lament of Jeremiah. This book was written soon after the fall of, of Babylon. The, uh, sorry, this book was written soon after the fall of Jerusalem, God's city, the city where God's people dwelt. Babylon had come and attacked Jerusalem. The city was destroyed. The temple of God that Solomon had built and dedicated was destroyed. Thousands of people were deported and exiled in Babylon. Israel had sinned and they were worshipping idols. And so this lament of Jerusalem was the lament over the fall of Jerusalem. It's so vivid. It's so graphic. The different details of the brokenness of Jerusalem are outlined for us. Look at chapter 2, verse 12. Children begged for food from their mothers. Chapter 2, verse 21. Young men and women were cut down. They were killed by swords. Chapter 4, verse 10. There was a huge, uh, chapter 4, verse 10. There was a huge siege before the fall of Jerusalem. And there was a great famine. And, and chapter 4, verse 10 says, Compassionate mothers used their children for food. That's a pretty grim situation. The first verse of this book says, how deserted is the city once so full of people. Jeremiah is deep in lament. Chapter 3, verse 48, streams of tears flow from my eyes because my people, Jeremiah cries out, are destroyed. And we are lamenting. 5,000 people who have died already because of the COVID-19 virus. It seemed as if God had abandoned Israel. Look at verse 3, chapter 3, verse 44. You have, God, you have covered yourself with a cloud so that no prayer can get through. That's Jeremiah's cry. This is the lament of Jeremiah. The second thing I want to draw from this passage is our lament. We can read these words and we can express these words as our lament to God. We're seeing this all around us. The coronavirus is quite scary. Over 100 people have already been infected uh, in India. And if we, if we are not wise, if, if God's grace is not with us, this could spread so much. Even in a country like Iran, over 500 people have died to this virus. And I'm sure all of us are feeling sad about this. But are we lamenting in a biblical way? You know, as a culture, we, we don't really uh, get this lamenting thing. We, we don't understand uh, the meaning, the value, the significance 
of lament. We don't understand the power of lament. You know, in reality, most of us, we, we hardly ever lament. We only sulk. In our culture, we may not understand lamenting, but we do understand sulking. What's the difference? Sulking is withdrawing from God in our pain and sadness. Lamenting is moving toward God in our grief and anguish. Sulking is shutting down. Sulking is denying our emotions. Sulking is chaining our emotions. But lamenting, lamenting is giving full expression to our emotions, to our sadness. Sulking distances from us from community. We withdraw. Lamenting builds community. We come together and lament together as God's people. Sulking is fixing our eyes on ourselves. Lamenting is fixing our eyes on God. As a culture, we don't really get lamenting. We are, we are a, a, a generation uh, that is expressing our emotions by selecting an emoji from the range of options available on our, on our mobile phone. When we are sad or when somebody else is sad, our emotional expression is, is often limited to sending an emoji. Emojis are not wrong, but they are not enough. We need to lament before God. Jesus lamented when, when Lazarus died, when Lazarus' sisters, Mary and Martha, were grieving, when Jesus met Mary and when Mary was weeping, the Bible says Jesus wept with Mary. He lamented the death of Lazarus. Or again in Matthew chapter 23, we see Jesus lamenting over Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you were not willing. Jesus is lamenting over Jerusalem. The Bible is full of lamentations. Job lamented, Moses lamented, Isaiah lamented, David lamented, Paul lamented. One-thirds of all the Psalms in the Bible are Psalms of lamentations. One out of every three Psalms is a Psalm of lamentation. How do we experience lamentation? Is it a mere coincidence that as a culture, we don't really get lamenting? Many reasons we don't uh, lament in a godly way. But we're going to look at two reasons today. Many reasons, but we're going to look at two. The first reason, we don't lament because we don't believe in God enough. Second reason, we don't lament because we only believe in ourselves. We don't lament because we don't And we don't lament because we only believe in ourselves. Let's look at both. First, we don't lament because we don't believe in God enough. Think of all our responses to the sadness, not just this, but every sadness we face. God doesn't care. I'm so bad a person that even God can't love me. 
God never answers my prayers. Those are the kind of responses. These responses tell us we don't believe in God enough. Do we really believe God loves us? Think about it. Will you grow? Will you go and cry to someone who you believe does not really love you? We're never going to do that. We're going to express anguish. We're going to cry and express our sadness to only to a person who we believe loves us and cares for us, cares for us. So if we are not finding the freedom to go and cry before God, I wonder if that tells us that we don't trust that God loves us. Could that be the case? Or another scenario, think about this. All of us have, have said this. We keep saying, God is not near to us. He seems, God seems so distant. I can't feel God's presence near me. God is so distant. Now, is this true? Or is this a lie we've come to believe? When we say God is so distant, I wonder, perhaps we actually mean God is not doing what I want him to do. God seems so distant. Maybe it's just the, how we are articulating the reality that God is not falling in line with our expectations and not acting in line with the way we want him to act. That's the first reason we don't lament. We don't lament because we don't believe in God enough. Second, we don't lament because we believe only in ourselves. In our, in our culture, it is stupid to acknowledge you're weak. Uh, try acknowledging your weakness in a workplace. We'll be shredded to bits. If you acknowledge our weakness in our workplace, no more promotions, no more increments. And so we have to pretend we are strong. And so we do pretend we are strong. And what a heavy load that is to carry. The world and our workplace has discipled us to only believe in ourselves. And that's one of the reasons why lamenting doesn't come easily to us. We need to unlearn what, what the world has discipled us into believing. And we need to go to God acknowledging our weakness. We need to go to God in lament. And that brings us to the, to the third thing. Our prayers in whatever situation, our prayers, are, especially in a situation like this, are incomplete unless there is grief and lament in our prayers. We also need to lament for a very sound theological reason. We live in a broken world. We have to acknowledge that. We cannot ignore the brokenness, the, the effect of sin on this world. And, but we don't only look at that, but we also look at the hope we have in Christ Jesus. Paul does that beautifully in Romans chapter 8, verses 22 to 23. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in pains of childbirth right up to the present time. That's lamenting. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship. So lamenting and Hope in Christ. That brings us to the last thing, the lament of Christ. The passage we read, it's remarkable how closely this lament of Jeremiah resembles the lament of Christ hanging on the cross. I'm going to go back and, and, and read that verse uh, passage for us again. But as I read that, I, I want us to see this passage as if it is Christ crying out from the cross. And it it's fits, seems to fit so appropriately. I'm the man, verse 1, who has seen affliction by the rod of 
by the rod of the Lord's wrath. God struck Christ Jesus as punishment for our sins. God has driven me away and made me walk in darkness rather than light. Christ lay in the tomb dead. God has turned his hand against me again and again all day long. Christ was beaten again and again all day long. His, his skin was, was marred. Verse 5, he was besieged. God besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and, and hardship. That's exactly what Jesus endured. God has walled me and so I cannot escape. He has weighed me down with chains. Jesus was nailed to the cross. Even when I call out or cry for help, God shuts out my prayer. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus cried out and there was no response from God the Father. God has barred my way with blocks of stone. Jesus' tomb, as he lay dead there, was covered with a really large stone and sealed. Like a bear lying in wait, like a lion in hiding, he dragged me from the path and mangled me and left me without help. That's what Jesus endured. And verse 15, he has filled me with bitter herbs and given me gall to drink. Jesus was offered that on the cross. And so this is the lamentation of Christ. And this passage reminds us that we are not crying alone in our brokenness. Christ is crying with us. God is lamenting along with us. The cry of Christ, the lament of Christ, the anguish of Christ is far more deeper than anything we could ever experience. Our lamentations, our lamentations are merely as men and women. But God's lamentation, the lamentation of Christ is both a lamentation as God and a lamentation as a man. Think about that. See, we lament the consequences of our sinfulness. And so we only lament as men. But God, God laments as God because we have marred his creation. We have messed up his beautiful creation. And so God is lamenting that. And when Christ came, Christ came fully God, fully man. And when he lay on the cross, he was lamenting as man. So God knows what it is to lament as God. And God knows what it is to lament as man. We only lament as men. God laments as both God. And in Christ, God also lamented as man. But as we remember the death of Christ bearing the punishment for our sins, as we remember that, as we face that reality, the next instant, we must also immediately shift our, gray, our gaze to his resurrection. And that is why lamentation is so important. As Christ identified with us in his lamentation, we join, in, join him in lamenting for this broken world to be set right once again. And I want to close with one last thought. This sermon is titled, The Power of Lamentation. So what is the power in lamentation? This is the power in lamentation. I'm going to bring that slide up for us. 
This is the power of, of, of lamentation. Hope that is birthed through lamentation is so much stronger than hope that is birthed without lamentation. Hope that is birthed through lamentation is so much more authentic than hope birthed without, without lamentation. Look at verse 19 and 21. I'm going to read that out for us from the same chapter in Lamentations. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I will remember them and my soul is downcast within me. That's acknowledging brokenness. And yet I will call to mind. Yet this I will call to mind. And therefore I will have hope. Jeremiah is crying out, my soul is downcast within me. And yet I will call to mind the reason I have hope for. Jeremiah is able to deal with both these realities together. So what is this that Jeremiah is hoping for? What is this that Jeremiah is putting his hope in? It's there in the same chapter, uh, chapter 3, Lamentations, verses 22 to 26. Let me read that out for us. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Sandwiched in the middle of this great book of sadness and lamentation is this extraordinary hope that we have in God. I say to myself, verse 24, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. What a powerful verse in the midst of so much gloom and lament. The compassion of God never failed. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Jeremiah would never have experienced this power of hope in God apart from the pain of lament. This hope Jeremiah is experiencing and crying out, this hope is birthed in lament. And that's the power of lament. When we lament, we draw close to God. We become honest. We become authentic. We acknowledge our flaws. We acknowledge our brokenness. We acknowledge the brokenness of the world. And we have no hope except to turn to God. And when we turn to God, we find hope in Christ Jesus. This is the power of lament. Lamentation brings, brings us, it helps us experience such an intimacy with God and an insight into his hope in Christ that few things can offer us. And so in a situation like this, we can make two mistakes. We can completely sink into grief, not knowing what to do, or we can take an overly triumphalistic approach. Both are wrong. We need to lament and find hope in Christ through our authentic lamenting. We need to acknowledge the brokenness in order to grasp the full scope of the hope we have in Christ Jesus. Given the grief around us, we can be paralyzed into inaction or we can just swing into overaction, overreacting, over-responding. Both are wrong. We need to acknowledge, we need to find, uh, we need to lament and find hope in Christ through the intimacy with God that comes through lamenting authentically to him. We need to acknowledge the brokenness of this world in order to grasp the full scope of hope that we have in Christ Jesus.
Let me pray for us as I close. Father, we uh, thank you for your word. Lord, we acknowledge the brokenness around us. It's real. We grieve it, Lord. We come to you lamenting, saying, Lord, our brothers and sisters are dying. Our brothers and sisters are suffering with this sickness. Lord, our world is decaying. We lament, Lord. We come to you with a broken heart, with a contrite spirit. We lament. Our world is decaying. But even as we lament, Lord, we see the hope of a perfect world, a world where there'll be no more sin, no more sickness, no more shame, no more death in Christ Jesus. So we pray, come, Lord Jesus, heal the world. Come, come, Lord, when your time has come, come, Lord, and bring perfection. But for now, Lord, would you give everyone on this earth a taste of your grace, of your mercy, bring healing, heal the bones that you have crushed, O oh Lord. Lord, relent, Lord, as we repent, Lord, come and, and deal with us, not as our sins deserve, but according to your great mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.